We're going to start a new series today, Shiloh Road, the series, and we're going to kind of go back to vision um, because this last couple of years has been a really strange time in our world and in our church. And I think right now, more than ever, we need to go back to vision and what we are trying to be as a church, as a body, um, for a lot of different reasons. But I wonder over the last couple of years, if you might have developed a few bad habits. Pro- probably not any, um, but just in case, maybe you have, let, let's talk for just a second, um, maybe the habit of constant stimulation. Um, we are a society that does not want to get bored anymore, and we have our phones and our tablets and our computers with us everywhere. We have every te- television show in the history of the world available at a click of a button. Um, and we are so used to being just entertained that at any moment you can get any type of stimulation visually um, at the drop of a hat. Maybe you've gotten into the habit of constantly watching and looking at screens. Maybe it's a relational habit where you've gotten out of the habit of being around people in some form or fashion or talking to people because of the disease, and probably not for the group here. Maybe it's more for someone who's sitting at home this morning. Maybe stress or comfort eating. You know, the COVID-50. No, just me? Okay, sorry. Um, Social media. Um, we, We constantly go to social media and posting and reading other people's posts and use lots and lots of time out of our day scrolling to see what other people are doing. Maybe it's inactivity. But we create these bad habits, and one of the things I've learned in my life is we don't have to try very hard to create a bad habit. It comes pretty easy, right? To create a good habit, that's another story. But to create a bad habit is pretty simple. And I think the reason why is our minds want to simplify everything that we do. Your mind wants to make everything in your world as simple as possible. That's why when you're driving to work and you're going the same route that you drive every other day of the year, and you get to a certain store, and you think, I don't remember passing. Anyone ever done that? Where you're driving, and you're like, you don't even remember like a stretch of the road that you were on. And you start to think, was I even paying? I mean, did I, did I swerve out of my lane, or did I do something really dumb? But, but most likely you didn't. You didn't because your brain puts that in autopilot because it knows it and it can think about other things. And I wonder if as churches we have a tendency to let our brains just kind of go into autopilot where we show up on a Sunday morning, maybe we show up online, we sing, we take communion, we listen to a sermon, we get in our car, we go to lunch, we go home, we go about our week, and Saturday night gets here, we think, oh, we got church tomorrow. And we get up, and we come to church, and we sing, and we take communion, and we listen to a sermon, 
We go home, we eat lunch, and it's on repeat. And we don't put a lot of thought into it, and we don't put a lot of effort into what we're doing. It's just simply this is what we do because we're supposed to. And I wonder if for churches that could be a detrimental habit. A habit that once you start down, it's so difficult to get yourself out of that rut. Because people, we do that pretty simply. But as a church, when we become a collection of a bunch of people who are doing that, it gets to be a problem. It gets to be a problem for what we do and what we're about. And so that's why I want to spend the next several weeks going back to our vision. To, to really give us a direction of where we are going in a time where everything else is so disorienting and everything else is so not our normal routine. I mean, I don't even know why we say normal anymore because there is no more normal. Right? Everything has changed in our world. But our minds still want us to go back to that normal. And so I want to kind of go back to this right here, our vision as a church. And if you're new to Shiloh, this will be great for you because maybe you've not even heard us talk about our vision. Um, but if you aren't and you've been around here, my guess is you've had a few other distractions over the past few years. And it would be really good for us to kind of go back and refresh and look at what we're doing and what we're about. And so you've probably seen these icons um, from time to time, exalt, encourage, engage, and you wonder what's all that about. Back in 2016, as a church, we made the decision to reimagine what we wanted to be for the future of Shiloh Road. And we put together a team that worked on creating that vision with a lot of input from our church body. And we walked away saying we want to be a church that exalts Christ, encourages one another, and engages our neighbor. And the elders, as we, we talked, we said, we want this to be our 2030 vision. So what we want to be working for over the next, basically at that time, 14 years. And this is what we want to emphasize as a church. And we said, we were really good as a church as exalting Christ and encouraging one another. That's always kind of been the DNA of Shiloh Road. But the area that we really wanted to grow in and focus our attention on is engaging our neighbor. We really want to focus in on doing a better job as a church and as individuals as engaging the people around us with the love of Jesus. And so that's going to be the direction that we are headed. And along with that vision, exalt, encourage, engage, we said there are six different core values things that we think are very, very important to help us accomplish this. And if we will make these values a part of our life, these are more the good habits that we want to either continue to build upon or we want to create. And so the next six weeks, we're going to walk through these values. And we're going to, talk, we're going to use the book of Acts kind of as a jumping off point, but I don't really know where we're going to go other than that each week, but um, we're going to start in Acts. But this first week, we're going to talk about pursuing God together. Because this is not just a pursuit of God individually. And so many times as churches, we talk about that. 
You need to make a decision to follow Jesus. This is about you and your relationship with Jesus. But one of the things that you don't see in the Bible, and especially the New Testament, is really this idea of an individual relationship with Jesus. Not that an individual relationship is not important, but the individual relationship is supposed to be plugged into a larger body, a church. And the church is supposed to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. That, That each part of that body does a significant work to make it function as a whole. And so what you see time and time again is this individual relationship that is moving us toward a bigger relationship with one another and with Christ. And so that's what we we talk about, pursuing God together. You are not in this on your own. You were never intended to do this life by yourself. You were never intended to be a Christian and follow Jesus alone. And I would say it's probably most likely impossible to do that long term. Can can you do that short term? Yeah, probably so. Is it good? Is it healthy? Is it going to help you grow in your relationship with Christ? Not at all. That this is supposed to be about us collectively as a body pursuing Jesus and going out to engage this world with his grace and mercy. So we're going to start in Acts chapter 11 this morning, starting in verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. So there was this massive persecution in the church, and the church is forced to scatter. Right? We just came out of the book of Isaiah where people from the city of Jerusalem were scattered. They go into exile. And so this persecution breaks out in the church as the church is just this infant. It's growing, and this persecution breaks out, and now the church scatters. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Now, or news of this, excuse me, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when they arrived, they saw what the grace of God had done. When they arrived, they saw what the grace of God had done. And he was glad and encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. You have this church that's scattered. Everyone going in different directions. And it would seem like it would be impossible for the church to continue to move forward because it's scattered. Things are not as they're supposed to be. There's not this collective group 
But what happens is these scattered Christians come together and they find a way to continue to be together. And in their being together, people are meeting Jesus and coming to know Him and follow Him and submit their life to Him because of what they are seeing. And Barnabas comes to this church to see what's going on. And I absolutely love this phrase. Put verse 23 back up here for me. And saw what the grace of God had done. The Barnabas gets to this place and he sees, visibly sees God's grace in the people. You think, what, what, how, how in the world is grace something visible? Because we don't, we don't think about grace in, the, in that way. We, we think about grace as me receiving forgiveness. It's something that happens kind of up here above us, right? But what he says is he arrived and he saw God's grace in the people. Maybe one of the most beautiful reasons we gather is because we can visibly see the grace of God in one another. We visibly see, when you look at the person sitting next to you, God's grace at work in this world. You see God's grace through the stories of people's lives you know have been transformed by the grace of Jesus. You see God's grace in, in people who are alive today who shouldn't probably be alive still because of some of the things they've gone through. You see God's grace in generosity as people are outrageously generous, not just with their money, but with their time, with their attention that they give to people. So Barnabas gets to this church that's scattered, that's not supposed to be thriving, and yet somehow there's this heartbeat to it. And it's not just like hanging on, barely breathing alive. It's alive and it's growing. And God's grace has become visible for people to see. And you wonder, what how, how does that happen in a world where this should not be? With persecution coming, that should put an end to it. When people scatter, that should put an end to it. But it reminds us the church is not a building. It's not a place. It's a people. It is a collection of people who have received the grace of Jesus Christ and are going out into this world sharing that grace with others. Sharing that grace with the people you live next door to. Sharing that grace with people all around that you work with or you encounter at the store. But that God's grace becomes visible 
Have you ever thought about that as you gather? As you gather here with the church, that God's grace is visible. It's something beautiful that we get to see. And, and here you see people's lives being transformed through that grace. And you go back to think about, okay, what is the purpose of our transformation? What, what is the reason that God is transforming our life? And I think so many times we fall into this mentality that, well, God is transforming our lives so that we can be good Christians and be good people and come sit here in a pew and do what we're supposed to do. But that's not what God's purpose is for your life. God's purpose is not that you would be a good person. It's not that you would come to church every week. God's purpose for your life is so much bigger than that. God's purpose for your life is that you would represent him to this world. That you would be his ambassador. That you would be his priest. That people would know what God is like through you. And now here's the beauty of that. If a huge collection of people who are representing Jesus to this world and are functioning as his priests and his ambassadors come together, the light gets so much brighter. That this was never about you. And so many times we talk about this, well, you need to make a decision to follow Jesus, and that's, yes, you do. But that's not the end goal. The goal is not for you to get baptized. The goal is for you as a baptized believer to be a part of a church that is helping to bring heaven to earth. That was your purpose. That is my purpose. That's what it means to pursue God together. That we're in this together. And there's a lot that has to, to go into that. There's a lot of transformation that has to take place in our life. Go, go over real quick to Colossians. Occasionally my wife will look at me and say, Hey, are you going to wear that? I, I've learned... After a few years of marriage now, that means you're not wearing that. You need to go change. It, it's very helpful at times. Um, you're going to walk out of the house in that? Just planning on it? Not now. I'm going to go change my clothes. I hope she didn't say that this morning because that would be awful. But in Colossians, Paul is talking about what we wear. We're going to start in verse 5, chapter 3. Put to death, and another way to, to read it is take off. Get rid of. Take off, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. 
because of these, the wrath of God is coming. And, and we talked about this several weeks back. When it, he talks about the wrath of God, so many times what he's talking about is the natural consequences that come from living your life apart from God. Like if you walk down this road, remember, if you walk down this road, it's not going to end well. And if your life is full of this greed and sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry, it's not going to go well. You're going to find yourself in a place at some point where you look back and say, oh man, I really wish I had listened. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices. And put on your new self, which is being renewed in the image of its creator. One of the things that I notice about the list that he gives is for the most part, the root of all of those is a good gift given by God. Sex is a good gift given by God, right? And it is to be experienced between a husband and a wife in marriage. But when you abuse that beautiful, godly gift, what you get on the other side is sexual immorality and impurity and idolatry, right? God gives us good things to take care of us. But when it becomes what we have done and what we have and what we want, it starts to turn into greed, right? This list is all, for the most part, the root of its good things that God has gifted us. But as people, we would abuse. And as we abuse them, it starts to inflict harm and damage on other people. All of these, just the root of them is good. But as we abuse them, it inflicts damage on other people. And there's consequences for that. There's consequences because it's going to break down those relationships. It's going to make those relationships difficult. Here, he says, take this off. Get rid of it. And it literally is this image of taking off these clothes that you don't need to be wearing to put something else on. But taking it off requires some really hard work. Back when we first got married, we, we had a two-bedroom house in Cleburne, Texas. And my wife kept telling me, she, she worked at home, and she kept telling me, I keep hearing something in the attic. I thought, well, it's probably just a squirrel or something, and I'm busy, and I don't really have time to go figure out what it is. Or, so I, we just kind of didn't mess with it and just assumed that it would go away. It didn't. And it wasn't squirrels. We found out it was rats. 
And we went away on vacation for a week. And we came to find out that the rats had a way to get inside the house. And we came home to a mess. And it was nasty. And it made you kind of cringe when you went to sleep at night. And right away, we went to work getting rid of rats. We called in exterminators. And we started buying poison to throw up in the attic. And we got traps. And we covered our house. And we were on a dedicated mission to annihilate all rats. And it took us about a week to get rid of all of them. It was horrible. We learned a pretty valuable lesson in that. Don't just let it go and assume it'll get better. I would say the very same thing is true about your life as a follower of Jesus. Because all of us have a tendency over time to start to wear things that we shouldn't. We start to to put on these old clothes, we put them back on. And lust and greed and idolatry and gossip and language They start to rear their ugly heads in our life. And you have to do the hard work when you see it of getting rid of it, of putting it off, of taking it off, of putting it to death. But it's not just take it off. It's not just put it to death. Instead, you're going to put something else on. He says this in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance, forgive as the Lord forgave, as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. It's not just take it off, it's also put this on. And what's so interesting here is these are really similar to the fruits of the Spirit. These fruits that are supposed to come out of your life. And I think what Paul wants you to see is here, as your life is being transformed, as you're getting rid of putting off, putting to death all this old, there is this new that you're not just putting on and saying, I'm going to be more compassionate, I'm going to be more loving, I'm going to be more forgiving. But as you grow more and more in your likeness to Jesus, you will be more compassionate and more caring and more loving. And that starts to transform everything. Back, um, I was talking to Faye this morning. We, I guess the, the week before we did Willie's funeral, I'd called Harvey Grant. And, and I, I told you all this story, I think, a, a couple months ago. But 
Harvey Grant's one of my favorite people in the whole world. I mean, Harvey, I love you to death if you're watching. But Harvey was just talking. He said, you know, when he was an elder, people would come up to him and say, I just wish I was a part of a more loving church. And he said, I, he would just look back at him and say, well, then be a more loving person. And then you'll be a part of a more loving church. Or people would say, I want to be a part of, more part of a, a giving church. Well, be a more giving person, and then you'll be a part of a church that's more giving. And I think that's what Paul has in mind. That if you will grow in compassion, and you will grow in knowledge, in wisdom, in grace, in forgiveness, in humility then the church that you're a part of will grow in all those things as well. And maybe as we grow in all of those, maybe God's grace becomes more and more visible for people to see. You know, we're at a time of the year where we're all making resolutions and things that we want to be different in this new year. One of the things I want to be different in this new year is a laser focus for us as a church towards our 2030 vision. Hey, this is, Burke said that a while ago, 2022. It's 2022. Means our 2030 vision has eight years left. Six years have passed since we've said, here's who we want to be as a church in 2030. As we talk about this new year and changes and habits, one of the things I want us to see is a church that is laser-focused on our vision, on our purpose. Because this is not our mission. This is God's mission. We just get to be a part of it. God does not have a mission. God has a church for His mission. And His purpose is that as a church, both individually and collectively, we would represent Him to this world. And that's best done together in the context of community. You want to see powerful evangelism? Because one of the things I noticed here in Acts is that it didn't happen with this scattered church, with individuals. It happened with this church that had been scattered coming back together and living their life on mission with one another. The most powerful evangelism happens in the context of community because God's grace becomes visible. It becomes something you see, you can touch, 
You can see it and hold it. See, there is no plan B. This was God's mission from the start. And I'm not talking about the start of the church. I'm talking about Genesis start. That His people, the people who bear His image, would represent Him to this world. And the church is supposed to be a collection of people who represent Him to this world. How do we do that? Paul started out here in Colossians 3 this way. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. He says, set your hearts and set your minds on things above. And he's not talking about just like clouds and harps and angels. He's talking about the holiness of Jesus and allowing Him to transform our life to reflect His life. So as we talk about setting goals, priorities for the coming year, what are the good habits that need to replace the bad ones? Maybe simple things like just reading the Bible daily, praying daily, making that a habit in your life. The, the habit of gathering together, of connecting with other people. In a couple weeks, we're going to start rolling out our new small groups ministries and, and trying to connect with other people on a deeper level to help you grow in those relationships. I think is so important. But as I said back in Cleveland, it took a laser focus to get rid of that problem. And for you and I, it's going to take a laser focus to get rid of what doesn't belong. And it's not focusing on the stuff that doesn't belong, it's focusing on Jesus. And allowing Him to transform and change who you are. Because as you and I change, Collectively, this body changes. It's transformed. And people get to see God's grace at work in our lives and in our church. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your church. We thank you for this body of people who have been called out of this world to represent you in this world, to be your hands and feet. And Father, it's our prayer as a church as we begin this new year 
that we would be laser-focused on our mission and our purpose of engaging this world with the grace of Jesus Christ. Father, you have changed us, you have transformed us, not for our own good, but Father, for the good of your good world. And so, Father, thank you for allowing us to be part of that mission. Thank you for your love, for your grace, and your mercy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.